Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for another episode of Living Hope, our weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer, sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis with our host, the host who knows the most about this, maybe. I don't know if there's anybody else that knows more, but she certainly knows a lot, Roberta Lou. Thank you, Paul. I wouldn't say I know the most, but I and I learn every every week, so it's really a, a great experience, so thank you. January is National Cancer Survivor Month, so this month we will share the journey of survivors at various chapters in their journey. Our guest today is Mike Kratzer. I hope I said that right. Correct. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Welcome to Living Hope. I'm sorry. I'm just really bad at saying last names. I mess up quite a bit, so I'm happy I got it right. But thank you for joining us today. And how would you describe yourself? Well, I used to be a businessman, and now I'm concentrating mostly on surviving and dealing with what I have to deal with, you know, shall I say. I like to think I'm a positive person, which has helped me tremendously during my little adventure that I'm presently doing here. But I always try to be upbeat and I try to be, you know, playful in a lot of things that I do. And that's one of the goals that I always set for myself, she always say. Well, I know all the times we've met you, you've always had me laughing. So you're very positive and have a great sense of humor, which is greatly appreciated, especially when dealing something like this. Can I ask why he's wearing a purple lei? Is, must, is this in, uh, he just got off the plane, or is this in celebration of something else here? Uh, no, actually, the, the purple lei, uh, a lot of times uh, when I attend a PanCan event, they always give you, the survivors, these leis. And so I thought it would be appropriate to wear the lei here today. And I have like three or four of them now for all the events that I come up. And like I say, their big fundraiser is usually the purple stride one. And they always give the leads to the, the survivors. And I appreciate it. And I like to show my support for PanCan and the organization. Well, thank you. I should have thought to warn mine as well. It would have been nice. And to give a big shout out to Rosa Velasco because she's been making these leads for us. That's right. For Purple Stride. It's and fantastic. For, yeah, for our survivors. And it's very unique to Orange County only. So I <laughs> give that out there. But yeah, thank you for doing that. I'm sure she's going to appreciate it too when she sees it. Also, I know because I saw something, I actually watched a video you did. You're an avid cycler, or you were? Are you still able to ride? I'm still able to ride when I get out. I used to be a more avid cyclist, but the video that you watched that had been, since I have a, an email that I send out to approximately 100 people, which means family, friends, coworkers, a bunch of other things, they always want to see how you're doing. And so I produce, you know, these little videos as commentary, you know, should we say, so they see that you're doing very well. <laughs> But I cycled for a lot, uh, you know, I've been cycling for most of my life, shall we say, off and on. But it was one of the things as I was approaching a retirement, I was going to do a lot of. And unfortunately, you know, I ran into this certain problem here, so I'm not able to, you know, go across country like I wanted to do or up and down the, you know, West Coast. So, but I still get out there and I try and ride. And it's actually when I tell people, I go, it's kind of like my happy place. Did he just say he was going to ride cross country? Well, I had one up. <laughs> I, I had one opportunity that I did that. I didn't do it. But I knew that the longest one I was planning on, quite frankly, in retirement was I was going to do the Route 66 from uh, you know Santa Monica to wow. Chicago. That was going to be my goal if I could ever get that done over the next 10 years, you always say. Wow, that's very impressive. Mm -hmm. Well, what exactly interfered with this or, or what is it that you're dealing with right now? Like I say, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in September of 2020 as I was getting, at the time, right at the very beginning of the COVID you know, lockdown. I personally had 
I was doing rather well. Quite frankly, I was cycling all over the place. I thought I was a healthy individual and lost a ton of weight, getting ready to cycle my way for the next, you know, five to 10 years, you know, and everything. And I ran into one day I woke up and I had abdominal cramping throughout my you know, entire cavity. I'm like, oh, this is kind of weird. So it went on for like four hours, but I put a heating pad on it and kind of like went away. Well, that's interesting. But yet the following week, it still had the same type of symptoms where I had abdominal, you know, cramping. And happened two or three or more of the times. I did go to the urgent care one time and they said, oh, well, we just think it's acid indigestion and something like that. And I'm like, nah, I don't think this is acid indigestion. And so I made an appointment with my regular TP you know, went in and talked to him and I described my symptoms and he just looked at me and he goes, well, because I don't know what it is, but we'll have a, you know, give you some tests and some other things. And he goes, uh, and he goes, you never can tell. And if, if I had to take a guess, it may be something pancreatic or something like that. And I'd go, oh, well, that's not very good since I've known people that have had pancreatic cancer. So the following, you know, couple of days I had a ultrasound and some blood work and it came back all normal. Didn't have anything. I'm like, man. Good thing it's not my pancreas, you know, type of thing. But yet, the following week, I did have severe cramping again. And I called him, well, what do you want me to do now? They said, just go down to Hogue ER, and you better, you know, have scanned. So I went down to, to Hogue. They did scan me, you know, should we say. I was in a great deal of discomfort for most of the day. So they did a scan, and the doctor came back in after the scan and just sat down and very briefly said, well, we see you have a mass on your pancreas, and it looks like it, you have some on your lungs. You, you know, have some on your liver. So we're going to be admitting you to the hospital. So good luck. You know, time like that. And he got up and walked away. And a couple hours, you know, and then they came in and they admitted me to the hospital at that time. And I was there for a few days doing other tests. You know, shall we say? And the following day, because they weren't going to confirm anything until they had the biopsy back. So I had a couple of procedures to get a biopsy. But the very next day, the I'll say one of the individuals that came in, we had a lot of medical in individuals that come in and ask me, and, and I always loved the way they, and I always tell everybody, they said, well, how you been feeling lately? And I go, feeling lately? I go, for the last three months, I cycled 1,200 miles. Over the last 18 months, I fi cycled 5,000 miles. I go, until last week, I thought I was doing pretty good. <laughs> so they just looked at me and they go, well, it's a very type of test for you know pancreatic cancer, but we'll see what goes on. The other good thing about that, one of the meetings very next day or something like that, I did have the oncologist that was assigned to me, Dr. Danny Nguyen, who, you know, like I say, we're connected with City of Hope now. And he came in and, you know, I'm kind of like stunned since I already know the severity of pancreatic cancer. And so he was asked me certain things. And one of the first things he goes, do you have any questions? And one, one of my first questions was, well, how long do I have? And he just looked at me and he goes, you know, I don't answer those kind of questions. He goes, what I do, he goes, but you can look it on the internet, but I wouldn't advise that. But what I try to do is treat everybody as an individual and just, we'll just see how that goes. And I think that was one of the best advices that I had from anybody because I'm like, oh, and I, to this day, I'm like, oh, see, he didn't give up on me. So if he's not giving up on me, I'm not giving up on me either. So that was the introduction of trying to figure out exactly what was going to go on with me. Well, I'm glad you had that kind of introduction because a lot of us, I mean, I was told to go and put my house in order because I only had three to six months. And I'd heard that with other family members as well Correct. and other survivors as well. So I'm really thrilled to hear that you had quite a different outcome with your doctor. That's Correct. awesome. Even though in your mind you're going like, well, can I do this? Can I do this? You know, it is kind of <clears throat> terrifying yeah, to say the least. 
but at least he was positive about it. And I'm like, okay, well, and my whole thing is, well, let's get on this bear and we'll ride this until what, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> and I'm still here, you know, like I say, I'm thinking, I'm in, uh, this is my 30s, I'm 32 months in or 33 months in of being a survivor. So I keep kicking the can down the road. <laughs> That's all you can do sometimes, right? Correct. What did your treatment entail? Was there surgery involved or, or before you actually, actually before that, how did they do the biopsy? I know a lot of times people ask because there's two different ways to do the biopsy. How was yours done? The endoscopy one. Okay. And that is, could you explain that a little, please? They basically, you know, go down through your, your mouth and everything like that through, you know, down into your stomach. They put a probe through your stomach. I think they went to, I forget what part, you know, they may have done a liver or something like that. And they took the biopsy, you know, through a, a lesion or something like that. Take it that way. And so that's what my original biopsy was. And they did dead in the area? They put you to sleep or were you awake through this whole thing? I know. You're basically asleep. Mm-hmm. Good. They also did a colonoscopy at the same time. So they're going from one end to the other. You so got a twofer. <laughs> the answer, I got a twofer. That's exactly right. So I'm like, you know, my whole thing is hopefully they used a different instrument, you know, on each procedure. So we'll just go from there. I think they did. Yes, you're right. <laughs> and after you got the results back from that, what was the treatment plan for you? My treatment plan, well, I, I did have a minor problem a couple of weeks after that is I had an intestinal bowel blockage. So I had to go in and have surgery and they removed 10 to 12 inches of, of my intestine through laparoscopic surgery. And fortunately that was successful. And like I, after that surgery was done, I asked them, well, do you think that takes care of the cramping? They go, well, we really don't know. But in fact, it did take care of all the cramping and I've never had any kind of cramping ever since then. So they figured that that was just the stimulus that had my severe cramping you know, conditions that actually got me there to begin with. After that, then because I had uh, already, uh, the, you know, my disease had already spread, I was not eligible for any kind of Whipple procedure. So what they did is just, the, you know, had to have a, a, a month recovery after that. And then I started on a uh, chemotherapy, but a lot of times when I write my things, I don't say chemotherapy. I use different kind of terminology and everything yeah. on, on a lot of the things that I do. So anyway, they, uh, they started me, first of all, on a Gemzar and uh, a Braxine, which is a common one that they did. And I actually did 28 rounds of Gemzar and Braxine. And then uh, that seemed to be giving out, you know, shall we say, or not being as successful. First thing it did, it was always my hope. It stabilized my condition pretty immediately, you know, quite frankly. So there's no spread of, the, of my tumors or anything like that. It basically stabilized everything, which I was thankful for. Mm. So then what happens? But then, you know, like I say, after the rounds, then we are having problems with, I said, eh, well, this stuff is doesn't seem, but that's because my biological marker started going up. So then what we ended up doing is I had another episode where I had to go to the hospital again. And that was because I had an elevated uh, white blood count. So now they figured that I had some kind of infection. So I, I was in the hospital and basically 18 out of 24 hours, I was being infused mm-hmm. with antibiotics. And once I got out of the hospital, I had another 12 days of antibiotic things. And the last thing procedure they actually did in that particular hospital stay is they removed my port, you know, shall we say, because they had no idea where they didn't know if that was infected or not or causing a problem. So what they ended up doing is after that was done, well, now I had to have another port put in. Okay, before I could go to a, you know, my second line defense. And so I had a period of a couple of months where I wasn't being infused at all. And 
my biological markers were climbing rapidly and they're like, ooh, this isn't very good. And so what happens then, the next line of defense, they got me the stronger, more aggressive Fulferinox. And I've been, so far, I've been doing 31 rounds of Fulferinox, which means my next round I'm going to have actually six, I'll have gone through 60 rounds of just, which I call pharmaceuticals or infusions. And it seems to be working for me. How are you feeling after the treatments? It kicks the hell out of you, you know, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Yep. So the, I have what I, I'm on a once every three week program, which means typically I go in on a Monday, I'm there all day, you know, by and large, I'll walk in, being normal, happy and whatever. <laughs> I don't walk out being that same way, I guarantee you. And what I have is when you walk out, I do have a pump that's put on me. And then the final pharmaceutical is actually pumped for over the next 46 hours. So even though I may start a treatment on Monday, I'm really not done until midday Wednesday, shall we say. During that time, it'll take me another four or five days to actually recover. During that entire week, I'll be very fatigued, extremely fatigued, quite frankly, and lethargic. I said I may have a little spurts of energy. I may not. But that'll take up at least seven, eight days until I feel, you know, up to do. Just like this week, I'm on my first recovery week. After that, I seem to be picking up very well. Second recovery, better, you know, doing well too. And then the following, like I say, day after Father's Day, I'm going to go in for the next infusion. You know, my attitude is just like another day in the office. Okay, let's sit down. Let's do this again. And that's my attitude about it. I almost have to have that because by the time, you know, you go and you have the side effects and feel so crappy, it's by the time you start feeling better again, it's time to start all over. That's exactly correct. Okay, my, I've been fortunate by the fact that I can do the standard care is once every other week. But uh, after eight rounds of the Flopharinox, my body couldn't generate, my lab work wasn't uh, being, meet the requirements for an infusion. But what we found out is after another week of, of care and everything like that, I was always able to do that, which is why I'm on one once every three weeks. And it seems to work, work out very well. Not only that, but it brings me some type of life, you know, <laughs> she would say, because a lot of times, otherwise, I only have three or four days of recovery trying to, you know, do whatever you need to do. But now I have at least a couple of weeks and I'm, I'm satisfied with it. What do you do to, for, to recover? What helps you recover? I start changing my well the only thing i can really do is quite frankly is my diet and exercise and so three days before uh, the friday before in kind of infusion i'll start changing my diet okay because i do have some side effects from the infusion that i'm going to get so three days before i start preparing myself for that and then during the my infusion week my treatment week i do the same thing i eat specific items that seem to go well with me that makes my recovery you know, rather well. And then following, I'll say, even if uh, most times on a Monday after the infusion, I really don't feel like eating, you know, like normal food, shall we say, till the following Sunday, maybe, not Sunday or Monday. And from then, now I have to go to another regimen of a dieting where I have to eat, even though I was basically a lot of times vegetarian, I go, now I have to eat, uh, you know, fish, meat, and a lot of other things to be able to get my other parameters up so I'm able to be acceptable for the next round of infusion. The times that you're not, when you do your treatment, you're not really feeling like eating, you still have to keep the nutrition up. So what are you trying no, to do? No, actually, I never lose my appetite. It's just that because of the side effects of, you know, during that treatment week, I only eat certain items okay. and I call them soft foods. So I just, you know, 
eggs, you know, and you know, like I say, even though I make my, you know, I can get up and you know, make my own breakfast and everything like that. So there's specific things that I do for not only breakfast at lunch or, you know, dinner, you know, shall we say, but it's specific towards that week just to, so my digestive system is being constricted, something fierce. Yeah. And so what we're trying to do is just soften that. And I'm constantly changing what I'm doing, trying to find out what works here, what works there, and everything like that. And you find out, you know, like I say, it works out very well for me, quite frankly. Good, because sometimes it can be a hit and miss. I mean, one time it can be fine, and the next time you do the exact same thing, and you're like, wait a minute, what did I do? What happened Correct. here? There's the, and the, the only consistency, there's the, you know, it's inconsistent on everything. Everything's mild. Just like the like last week, a lot of times I'll lose a lot of my taste buds. So it's like everything's, you know. So, you know, and I'm always hoping to, you know, the sooner I can get over that, which means the sooner I can go out and get a beer and enjoy <laughs> it, you know, she would say. That's basically what, you know, I try to do. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I have a question. As I listen to this, it suddenly occurs to me, I've heard this many times on the show, as you list your routine and as you list all the dynamics of the disease, all the details of the disease. Is there a class you guys take? And how do you how do you you go from sort of a normal life to now this is your normal life? But there must be a transition where you have to learn the terminology, you have to learn all the ins and outs, and you have to come up with a routine. Basically, my routine was based upon my previous you know diet, shall we say, for you know vegetarians, and so when I started first having all the side effects. First thing you always do is read the literature. Okay, what do you got in the literature? Right. What do I got this? I started reading that. And so now I'll do the same thing. Now I try and counter whatever the side effect is with some kind of nutritional item that either I know or I look online, but most times I know. I said, no, well, let me try this, this, and this. And so that's usually that does help me out tremendously. The same thing. But how do you learn all this terminology and all this details of you, you? You all so casually rattle all this stuff off about your, you know, court probably was one you're thinking, right? Yeah, right. All these different things, the details of your anatomy that I'm not aware of, and it's almost like you need a crash course in I don't know anatomy or something here. Well, the I'll admit that you know people always come up to me and they go, oh, you know, you're a good fighter and you're in this battle and everything like that. And my whole attitude is, no, I'm not, I'm not in a fight. I'm not in a battle. I prefer to look at it as a chess game. Mm. So my whole thing is the pharmaceutical is going to do one thing. How do I counter, you know, how do I get my body to counter effect, to neutralize whatever is happening? So whatever the side effect is, I'm looking for an item that will counterbalance. Now, you, you change it all around all the time. But I don't look at it, and I, nor is my attitude towards it that, oh, I want to go in there and do this. I go, no, I take it very cool, calm, and collected, you know, quite frankly. And I said, oh, well, that didn't work. Let me try to do something like that. At the same time, I'll give credit because when I first was diagnosed, obviously everyone goes on the Internet, and they're going to see a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So you got a million websites out there, and most of them was negative, negative, negative. Okay, next, 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 next. And then I came upon, I'll admit, the first one, I positive one, I said, ooh, pancan.org. Hmm. Let me look at this thing. This is the first organization that had positive information for anybody, as far as I was concerned. And one of the good things about that is, so a lot of times you learn from there. Not only that, but then they always have the, they have a lot of survivor stories on there. Most of them are positive, even though some of the people have obviously passed away. 
And you start reading those like, oh, well, that's pretty good here, you know. And it's the reinforcement of someone else's, you know, journey or, like I say, my adventure that you kind of you know, like learn. And so that's how I've done it. I'll do the same thing. There's three basic, you know, organizations that I only, you know, I only go to to look for, you know, information. And PanCan is, is the, the major one. Yeah, it's funny what you will learn. And that's one thing I do tell somebody is please don't Google pancreatic cancer. <laughs> I mean, I have three yeah. websites I give as well because I really trust them and the information is positive. Mm -hmm. The first thing you don't want to see is how many people are diagnosed and how many people are dying. That's what you always see right away. Correct. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's horrible. Before your visit, actually, to the ER, you had already had gone through two annual physicals, a sports evaluation, I think, and a clinical trial for a rare skin condition. Yes. So they were doing blood work, and I don't know what else went along with that. That's but nothing detected anything suspicious? Zero. Wow. Absolutely. Like, not only that, you know, even the, my doctor, oh, just keep doing what you're doing, Mr. Kratzer. You're doing great. No need to, you know, change anything, you know. But the answer was, yeah, it's unbelievable how many, which only goes to show you how either secretive or it likes to hide or there's not enough research done to really have a test to, to perform for everybody. But no, I, I like to say, I thought I was in excellent health. Excellent, excellent, excellent health. Sometimes you can feel really great and you go to the doctors and you come out feeling really bad. Yeah, that's exactly correct. You know? But I, everything I had from everything that I did was always positive feedback. How did COVID affect your treatments and plan, or did it at all? Oh, well, like I say, when I was first diagnosed, it's a lonely, you know, when I went to the ER, like I say, you know, like I say, my spouse, Brenda, dropped me off, you know, type like deal. So from then on in, I had no visitors and everything. So that's the mm -hmm. toughest phone call that anybody could ever make that, oh, great. Now I'm sitting in this room like, oh, how am I going to explain this? over that phone, you know, type of like deal. Because mm -hmm. you had no, you know, because you had no, you know, they can't visit you or anything like that. So all of my visits, you know, I basically, you know, for the first couple ones, it's a lonely existence. And I just sat there and as people, you know, some of the, a lot of times I was feeling okay, you know, quite frankly, okay. After the, you know, the, the cramps went away and everything, they gave me, uh, you know, some pain medication. Well, you know, I'm kind of like a normal guy and I put on my regular clothes and come in mm -hmm. and like, uh, you going home? I go, no, I'm not going home. Like, well, what are you doing? You know, because I'd always just sit there and I happen to be on the sixth floor of the Hogue Hospital down there. And I'd always be looking out at Newport Beach. And they sit there, well, what are you doing? I go, contemplating. And they're like, about what? About life. I'm trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do from here? You know, shall we say. Yeah. But, the, uh, but it was very, and, and that's why I look at a lot of it, quite frankly. What am I going to do to be able to do that? But at the same time, I don't get mad at anybody. There's, you know, no such thing as getting irritated about it. You have this, oh, what was me attitude. And, you know, you do have a, a few things like that. Same thing as why did this happen to me? But it's very brief with me, fortunately. I just look at, what do I got to do? Okay, let's go ahead and do that, you know. So even some of their other procedures, what are you going to do? <laughs> okay, if that's what you say, you know, follow whatever they do. I think honestly, I think the positive outlook, I think it really helps. You know, it's mindset and if you've got that attitude, I don't think there's anything that you can't do or can't fight or can't win. So yeah. if somebody were to come to you right now and say, hi, Mike, I was just diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, what, what, what would you say to them? First of all, I'd say take a moment just to reflect on your life. When I first happened to me, I thought nothing about my childhood and growing up. 
and not, I didn't care about work, didn't care about all the accomplishments I may have. Done. I just thought, you know, thought everything in my life was good when I was, you know, growing up. And I went back to that scene over and over and over again for months in my mind. And I'd want to tell people, you know, that's what you want to do. Or it helped me. Next time, and same thing. If you want to do a couple of organizations like there's Pan, you know, like I say, PanCan, there's Hirschberg, you know, there, there's Let's Win and everything. These are the places you want to go to for information if you're so desired, you know, shall we say. Everything else out of that, I, I would say the same thing. You better stay positive. I did kind of I would find it funny one time is because I'm always uh, evaluated prior to uh, my infusion. And so one of the uh, physician's assistants, we were talking about something. And I said something about, oh, you know, you know, well, I have a positive attitude about this and everything. And she nonchalantly said, well, you know, having a positive attitude has never been proven that it helps. And I started laughing. And so I said, well, yeah, because even I've read the clinical trials that says, well, it doesn't help. But my response was, yeah, but it makes you a better person and happier. Yeah. So she looked at me and she's kind of like, left. She goes, well, I can't beat that. I go, yep, don't, you know, type of like deal. But yeah. I do believe it. I do believe it, it helps it helps me tremendously, I can guarantee you. I believe it too, and it certainly can't hurt, right? Correct. I do want to leave you with a quote that I did hear from you one time, or I think you've said it many times, tomorrow will be a better day. Tomorrow will be a better day. <laughs> so thank you for joining us today, and as we leave, as long as you speak my name, I shall live forever, is dedicated to Mary Ann Leroy. Thank you, Mike, for coming, we appreciate it. Appreciate it, appreciate the time. Well, there you have another moving example of why you need to tune in each and every week here to Living Hope. As we chronicle the journeys of those dealing with this on a daily basis, providing hope, inspiration, and education for all those journeying along. And if you need more than a story or two, if you need to talk to somebody right now, there are lots of places to do it. Pan can certainly a good place to start. 8772-PANCAN for more help. That's 877 and the number 2 P-A-N-C-A-N for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. For the OC Talk Radio Network, I'm Paul Roberts thanking you for joining us and hoping you'll join us again. Share this with somebody you know and love and we'll see you again for more Living Hope as we stream live from our studio here at the University of California Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.